0: My name is Jake Fox, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Tom Schreiber. Snyder with scars. Now it's one for scores. Hands off for Rabel. Switches hands and scores. Kylie Elmiller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's
1: Lyle Thompson. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of pro lacrosse. I'm Hutton. He's Adam. Together, we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Welcome to another episode of Pro Cross Talk. We are fresh off LaxCon weekend, and we had a blast.
2: It was great to see a lot of people we, we've talked to in the past, but we finally got to put the face to a name. We saw Don, Coach Dom Stargia, Coach Staggs, Kaya Iwamoto, Matt McMahon, Dana Doby, just to name a few.
1: Yeah, it was great talking to some other brands, too. Uh, we met the people at Smart Backstop, uh, Sidewall Jedi, and talked to Kicks by Carly. I had met Carly at the PLL Championship, but it was nice to hang out with her a little bit. And also the fellows at East Coast Eyes.
2: No, yeah, it was great to see uh, the fellows at East Coast Eyes, especially Brian. It was great to be able to catch up with them. I haven't seen them in a while and haven't had any E-Town alumni events lately. So it was great to catch up with them. Also great to catch up with Coach Starja as well. You know, we had a really great discussion a couple months ago with him uh, during this season. And, you know, he gave a great presentation, a lot of the content uh, that his uh, new book has um, was in that presentation so he he has a lot of words of wisdom um, it was just great to talk with him a little bit um, afterwards when you were there with me so it was, overall it was a great weekend you know it was great to show show you a little bit of my hometown right uh, get to see what philadelphia is all about a little bit and, uh, and kind of meet, meet meet some new people uh, connect with some old friends overall it was a great weekend
1: yeah we went to reading terminal got some food there which was fun Um, And, yeah, we sat on a lot of great presentations. Um, You know, I know in particular I I attended Joe Keegan's lacrosse by the numbers. It used to be given by the late, great Dave Huntley, Um, and he did a phenomenal job. His big thing in professional lacrosse was talking about two-man games from the wings and, you know, playing big little, Uh, and I think he nailed the presentation. Um, You know, I was always taught, you know, and and kind of played in a style where it was, you know, alley dodge, move the ball through X, and re-dodge where, He's saying, you know, the game is really headed in the direction where we we're going to see a lot more two-man games from the wings. He had a lot of data to show that PLL teams saw the highest shooting percentage off those two-man games from the wings, um, but teams were still, you know, dodging from the top of the arc. And as he showed, it's not as effective. Um, he liked to, he used the example of you know the the post up in basketball has been you know traditionally taught. Uh, as you know, a good you know style offense, and you know now we're seeing in pro basketball a lot of you know outside jumpers and you know taking into the basket, and that's kind of what he compared it to lacrosse. He compared dodging from top as the post up of lacrosse, and that these teams you need to utilize uh, the two man opportunities from the wings a little bit more. Um, so he showed a bunch of clips. He had at least thirty um, really great presentation, uh, and it you know kind of gave some recognition to some guys who. Really don't cross your mind when you're thinking about important guys on the field. Uh, You know, Ryan Ambler was one of them, and I know you mentioned him, and he, uh, you know, ended up getting protected on this PLL players list, which we'll get into. Um, And, uh, you know, another guy was Joel Tenney. Those two were the only guys that had more assist opportunities than shots. Um, So I think you're going to see those type of players treated as more valuable going forward some other guys you know that were up there uh, with Tinney were Ben McIntosh and Jordan McIntosh as the only three players who had all of their shots come from their sticks to the middle of the field Um, again you know we talk about how we really want to increase our angle on the shot but also increase our percentage and the best way to do that is get your stick to the middle and that's the best way to do that as uh, Joe Keegan talked about was doing these two men games from the wings, So really great presentation. I really enjoyed it, enjoyed catching up with Joe a little bit after. Um, you know, I, I think he, what he's doing with analyzing the data of, uh, you know, professional lacrosse is pretty big. You know, he's been doing it for five years now. And, uh, you know, I think analytics is the way sports is going. So it's nice to have somebody be so devoted to analytics within lacrosse. Uh, but, yeah, that, that was one of my favorite presentations. I know we both really enjoyed sitting in on Coach Staggs and J.C. Glick's presentation yep. on leadership. Um, you know they mentioned the four characteristics of a leader. You know curiosity, humility, empathy, and loyalty. Um, that presentation I thought I got more out of that from a life perspective than I did from a lacrosse perspective. Um, so I really enjoyed that one as well. Uh, but yeah, those were our highlights really from LAXCON. Uh, we enjoyed meeting a lot of people. There are still some people we didn't get to meet that we hope to meet in the future. But uh, we, overall, I think it was a good, good first LAXCON for us as pro lacrosse talk.
2: Yeah, and we'll definitely see. Hopefully, everyone in my ne- my new neck of the woods next year when it's back in Baltimore. So we're looking forward to it.
1: You know, it'll be awesome. Hopefully, uh, you know the the Ravens actually uh, win a playoff game that weekend because that kind <laughs> of no put comment. a little bit of a damper on that night. But uh, we're not going to talk about that anymore. We're out of football season. We're totally in lacrosse season now. So uh, we're excited uh, to talk about a lot of things. We have a full slate to talk about today. There's an NLL team that has remained undefeated this weekend, some big names that were left off their PLL team's protected player list, and some major changes coming for the MLL this season. Uh, before we get into all that, though, let's dive into our fast break.
2: Yeah, we had five games on the slate for Week 7. We kicked off the weekend on Friday night with the Wings' emphatic victory over Vancouver, beating the Warriors 18-10 to in their home opener. The Thunderbirds remained one of the only two undefeated teams in the NLL, beating the Mammoth 12-9. The Rock barely slipped past the Nighthawks for a 13-12 victory, as Rochester remains winless on the season. The Bandits held Georgia to their lowest goal total of the season, as Buffalo went into Infinite Energy Arena and defeated the Swarm 16-10. And in the Sunday cap, the Rush traveled to San Diego and defeated the Seals, winning by a score of 12-9. So that's our fast break. Now let's hit our quick stick and recap some of the news from around the leagues.
1: Yeah, so to start off with our quick stick, uh, we'll start in the NLL. Uh, We talked to Logan Shuss. He's currently listed as week-to-week with a lower body injury. Uh, Obviously, we saw him. It looked like it may have been, hopefully not a knee injury, but something lower body uh, in that Philadelphia game. Uh, So he missed a lot of time. Uh, I think he only recorded five minutes on the floor in that game. So hopefully he, he gets healthy uh, going forward because you know the Warriors will desperately need him if they're to string some more wins together in this season and turn it around. Uh, another player that's going to be out for even longer is Jesse King. He's expected to be out for 12 weeks with an injury he sustained in the game against Philly a few weeks ago. So it looks like his season is all but over at this point. Hopefully you know he can maybe um, come back if the Roughnecks are to make the playoffs. Kind of like he did last year, but it's not looking good for him. Um, and the Roughnecks are very thin. You know, you have Reese Dutch and Ryan Martell injured, uh, and Dobie suspended right now. So they're they're going with a really skeleton crew right now. Um, they'll have to, you know, really come together and uh, play as a unit if there's to put some wins together and uh, you know really give themselves a chance to, to make the playoffs. Yep. And in the biggest NLL news of the week, they have announced a partnership with BetMGM. So they are officially introducing sports gambling into lacrosse. Obviously, it's going to depend on your state whether you can gamble on these games, but it is a huge, huge move for the NLL to announce this, uh, do this partnership. We talked to Nick Sliskevich, you know, earlier last year um, about his plans for sports gambling. He was obviously had to keep a little bit under wraps, but we knew it was coming at some point. Uh, now's the perfect time with them having a Las Vegas game coming up uh, so we're really excited, you know, uh, about the opportunity to, you know, sports gamble and uh, me being in New Jersey. I have that opportunity to do that. So um, I'm definitely gonna, you know, take a look, see, see, uh, see what's out there, um, you know. And I think the the biggest bonuses to this partnership is not just the gambling. Uh, you know, as we talked to Nick, he said, you know, bringing more visibility to the league is actually what gambling does. Um, you know, it doesn't really bring that much revenue to the leagues themselves, but the viewership. Itself is tremendous. You know, you have new fans of the game that are going to want to bet on the game, um, and then hopefully that will attract them to the sport of lacrosse. So I think that's a huge plus. Another thing that uh, you know Evan our kind of mentioned is that we're going to get injury updates a lot more routine and a lot more standardized because if people are betting money on games, they need to know players' injury status, and that's going to be a huge plus, as well as you know the statistics. That have been great so far for the NLL are going to be, you know, really iron tight if they if they want to really introduce gambling the right way. You know, that's stuff that has to be standardized, um, and obviously they've laid the groundwork for that. So we're both really excited about this partnership. Moving on to the PLL, uh, they announced their protected players rosters on Monday, which we will discuss a little bit later in the show. There's some big surprises on some of these unprotected lists, uh, and then one that was. Exempt that we weren't really sure why initially uh, was Matt Landis. Um, And the reason for that is he is considered uh, military. He plans on reporting to Navy SEALs training camp at the end of this month. So obviously his status for league play kind of depends on this. Um, Hopefully, you know, he's able to play this summer. But that is why he was exempt from the protected player roster. He will stay with the Redwoods if he is able to play this year. Um, And hopefully he does, you know. But we admire his you know, decision to join the military, you know, obviously me being a reservist myself, uh, anybody who decides to join the military, I have the utmost respect, especially active duty, so uh, kudos to him. Uh, Another player that actually was left unprotected uh, was Jackson Place. He is currently recovering, and his timetable is unknown, but he is expected to make a full recovery. And then finally in the PLL, they announced that they're going to Atlanta for week two of the season. Uh, but this time they will be playing at 5th Third Bank Stadium, which is the former home of the Atlanta Blaze. So speaking of the Blaze, we have some major news coming out of the MLL. The MLL is restructuring to a single-entity model, and as a result, both the Atlanta Blaze owner, Andre Drudger, and Bayhawks owner, Brendan Kelly, have relinquished ownership of their franchises to the MLL. Blaze and Bayhawks coach Liam Banks and Dave Cottle have both stepped down, uh, with Banks' decision likely due to the news that the Blaze are relocating, uh, with reports being they'll move to Philadelphia. The Bayhawks have already announced that assistant coach Tom Mariano, the former 2017 coach of the Florida Launch, will take over as Bayhawks coach. Uh, But this is huge news for the future of the MLL. Adam, what do you make of all this? It was a lot
2: to take in, you know. And one one thing that stuck out to me was the potential that it didn't say one franchise, it said franchises could potentially move. So whether that's a decision that's already made by the league or a decision that's still up in the air, it was something that Um, it seemed sudden and, you know, we were kind of in the dark for a little while there with, uh, kind of what the next steps for, uh, the MLL were going forward. So, um, it's great to get a little bit of clarity, maybe not as much clarity as we would like, but hopefully, uh, that news will come to fruition, uh, very soon. You know, the, the single entity model, uh, We've seen it pretty recently, right, with the, the PLL. So um, it seems as the though the MLL, seeing what the PLL did and kind of responding in that frame.
1: Right. Yeah, and I want to add, though, like this single entity model isn't new. You know, the PLL has done a great job, uh, you know, sure. ma- maintaining control with it, but it's been done by the MLS. Uh, it's been done by the NLL initially. Uh, I believe the MLL actually operated as a single entity for a few couple of its first seasons too so this isn't a new concept this isn't the MLL copying the PLL I mean I'm sure it definitely had some influence on their decision but uh, going single entity allows them to retain complete control of the league allow some uniformity you know they they look at it as a way to you know allocate resources to some of these uh, teams which in a way you know can provide some more stability which is important uh, as we'll get into but um, you know, it, it just depends on where these leagues are at. Like, it wouldn't work for an NFL or an NHL because there's too many franchises. You can only yeah. control so much. So for a smaller league, though, like, you know, the PLL and the MLL, I think it, it, it's a good decision. Um, but at what cost is what we're going to kind of discuss now because Brendan Kelly is now no longer a part of professional lacrosse. He was a huge proponent of the sport, uh, was in the the MLL for 10 years he brought them a franchise he brought the franchise back to uh, Maryland you know bring it to Annapolis where they set down roots and they have by far been the most successful franchise in professional lacrosse in terms of the field game and I think this is a big blow Um, I think the single entity model makes sense for the league to kind of retain some stability but again at what cost you have the biggest proponent of your league, one of the guys who has poured the most money in, poured the most resources in. I mean, he almost had a whole stadium devoted to the Bayhawks created. I would have also supported a lot of, you know, community initiatives as well. It wouldn't just have operated as a Bayhawks stadium. It would have done a lot of, you know, tournaments for local lacrosse. I mean, you know, and that unfortunately, the city kind of changed its mind on that. But, you know, he was all in, and now you don't have his support And I don't know if this is, you know, going to spell the end of the MLL or not. We'll see. They're obviously going to have a 2020 season. Um, They obviously, you know, they have the funding for it. They now have control over these franchises, you know, and it looks like they're going to be moving some. Like we talked about the Blaze could be going to Philly. So are we going to, you know, see the Barrage come back? I know you're you're really excited about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, as as a, a member of the media now, I have to hold, hold my biases back a little bit. But hopefully we see uh, the Barrage make a comeback and, you know... We talked about BK a little bit, and the single-entity thing kind of makes sense when we discussed off-pot a little bit, the Denver Outlaws and um, their situation with their previous owner passing away and, and it going down to his daughters, and they were determining whether they wanted to continue uh, the franchise or not. And, and by going single-entity, single this really allows uh that decision to be made by the league rather rather than the previous owners so um, that's something that makes sense for the league when it comes to that but um, are we going to see a mass exodus when it comes to player movement you know PLT contributor Dan Aresti discussed um, having a sources say over 30 uh players are already planning on making the jump to the PLL um which Kind of shrinks the talent pool for the MLL already. So um, obviously they're having this season this year. Already announced, it, May thirtieth is going to be opening night for MLL. So they're they're going to try and keep things going. And you know, depending on how the rest of the off season goes, will um, kind of change how I view the league. I guess you could say. You know, we. I I feel like I this keeps coming up, but. We don't have all the information yet, right? I feel like we've been saying that about the MLL for a while. And I, until um, I get kind of, until that puzzle is, is complete, I I'd kind of like to wait and hold on in terms of my opinion of what to expect from the league going forward.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and this is what we do know. We know that uh, the league voted last Friday on what they were going to do. Um, Bill Wagner's article, he said that the league voted. Obviously, the league currently has control over the Rattlers, you know, with Jim Davis getting out of uh, the MLL this past uh, offseason. And then, you know, you have the Denver Outlaws situation in flux that we mentioned. Um, And then it came down to, you know, the Cannons and the Lizards deciding to support the league in going to a single entity model. And it sounded like, and that left uh, Brendan Kelly and the Atlanta Blaze owner, Andre Gudger kind of, you know, with a decision to make, um, and kind of forced their hand, and that's why, you know, Brendan Kelly decided to get out, you know, I think he probably had the opportunity to stay in as an investor, he just wouldn't have control over uh, the Bayhawks, and if I were him, I'd probably, you know, pull out too, because they were arguably the most successful franchise, Um, and that was a lot, in part, due to Brendan Kelly, so You know, if I were him too, I wouldn't really want to relinquish control over my franchise, you know, and not have a say. I mean, obviously he would have had some say if he stayed on the board, but, um, you know, they forced his hand and he chose to do that. And, you know, I don't know what this really means because I think what's getting lost on a lot of this information is we know what the league is trying to do. They haven't really revealed too much details, um, but the players themselves have a lot of questions as well. Um, we spoke to multiple players on the Bayhawks. I talked to uh, Jesse Bernhardt. I talked to C.J. Costabile. I talked to Brian Phipps. I talked to Nick Manis. And I talked to Andrew Q. All about Brendan Kelly and nothing but good things to say. I want to read some of the stuff that um, they had to say about their owner, Brendan Kelly. You have C.J. Costabile saying, Brendan Kelly was the driving force behind the culture of the organization. He brought passion, commitment, and community to the Bayhawks, something that is not easily done in the pro rankings of lacrosse. What I admire most, though, is his ability to make the Bayhawks in Annapolis community synonymous. Um, Assisting in local schools, clinics, and food drives are just a couple of things that come to mind. When you play for the Bayhawks, you realize that you're not just playing for the guy to the left and right of you in the locker room. You're playing for the town of Annapolis, which is pretty cool. Uh, Brian Phipps kind of echoed that. He's like, I've known BK for a long time through the lacrosse world, going farther back than being drafted by the organization in 2010. He's gone above and beyond to help my career and allowed me to play in front of my hometown fans, friends, and family. Uh, This upcoming season is going to be different for sure. Even though he will not be owner, I know BK will be cheering for each one of us and his former players and doing whatever he can to help them be successful. Um, Again, Brendan Kelly did a lot for the community of Annapolis. You know, CJ, I know when we talked to him in our interview, he said he felt like a professional lacrosse player walking around Annapolis. The people of Annapolis knew who the Bayhawks were, um, and a lot of people echoed that. Nick Maness said, you know, you go into any bar or, or restaurant there, there's probably Bayhawks memorabilia. So I don't know what this means for, um, you know, the Bayhawks in terms of being in Annapolis. Uh, interesting thing in their press release was that it referred to all teams without their city name. So it was the Bayhawks, the Blaze, the Lizards, etc. cetera. So I don't know if they're – how I don't know where they're planning on relocating these franchises or which ones are being relocated but um talk to Jesse Bernhardt he said Brendan Kelly made them aware that he was stepping down short after he made the decision Uh, but he also said that the league has given them no information on what's going to come next so they are still in the dark Um, and I think that's something that you know shouldn't be overlooked these players need to know like us as media members we'll find out Uh, obviously we would like to know too so we can inform the public but these players need to know what's going on and right now they don't have a clue um, but that's kind of our take on the, this MLL news that's been slowly leaking out. Um, you know and again, we wish the players the best in this situation because they still don't know how this affects their contracts with the MLL. We don't know if you know they're going to be reallocated to different teams. We really don't know. Um, and unfortunately, they don't really know either. So hopefully they get that information um, you know sooner rather than later. Sure. Um, and I think the most disappointing thing about you know all this discussion about where the MLL is going and the PLL, is going is again people are not everyone but some people are taking sides and actively want one or the other leagues to fail and that shouldn't be the case like you may have a preference over another i know i've talked about this at nauseum, but um this is about the players like the more teams we have the more players that can play and there's a lot of talent out there if one league folds these guys aren't going to get a chance to play. A lot of them are just going to go back to their day jobs, and not get, get get a chance to play until you know we get to enough teams where everyone can kind of get back on a roster or whatever. But we're not there yet, you know. And I hope, you know, what happens to either of these leagues uh, doesn't have major ramifications, you know, going forward for these players because that's ultimately what it's about. You know, me and you don't watch because we prefer one league over the other. We, we do have our preferences. Like, we're not going to pretend that we don't. But we watch all lacrosse because, no matter if it's box lacrosse or women's lacrosse, because we enjoy watching our favorite players play. And that's what's, who's going to suffer the most from any of these league moves. Um, so, again, view it from that lens. Like, don't view it from the league I like is better than yours. View it from, like, all right, well, is this good for the players? You know, is this good for pro lacrosse in terms of the players? Because... Players are the reason why we watch the sport. If they're not getting treated fairly and they're not getting the opportunity to play, then all of this is for naught, in my opinion. Uh, but that's what we know right now. Uh, we we love to hear your guys' thoughts on the situation, um, so feel free to tweet at us, you know, and let us know what you think. Um, but with that, let's move on to the PLL and talk about this Protector's players list, uh, which you know is also going to be pretty important for the the future of this league, because there are a lot of players now available for the Water Dogs to select. Um, and there's some big big shockers on, and there were some big shocks that came from this announcement on Monday. Uh, what were some of the, the players that you thought were, what were some of the players that you were shocked to see go unprotected from their teams?
2: Yeah, you know, two, two players specifically stick out in my mind. Obviously, there is a boatload of talent that now uh, is unprotected, and Um, I think it's going to be a hot take for a lot of people whether they they see the roster or not as the Water Dogs to be the favorite going into next season based off this unprotected list Um, but one big name is Romar Dennis you know the Chrome did not hold on to to him and um, that was probably the biggest shocker for me just based on uh, the talent that the Chrome kept Um, I think they they had an awesome opportunity to keep guys like Romar Dennis and and Max Tuttle um, and they went in a different direction so Romar was a big one. Cade Van Rapshorst with the Atlas was, was another big one for me. Their first round pick last year for the Atlas and you know they didn't end up not keeping any of their drafted players last year. Um, so I mean that doesn't mean they'll lose them all um, but that was just something that I found super interesting. And um, another one uh, that I didn't end up keeping when I was deciding who to keep on rosters was Brody Merrill. And, you know I, I left him off the roster um, just because of his age and I again I talked last week about longevity and uh kind of playing the long game. Didn't seem like most teams were playing that long game and obviously veteran talent uh is super important in the league and and the camaraderie and connectedness of players like Joe Walters and Kyle Harrison, who were protected, and Paul was Paul Rabel was protected as well. So I once I was reading those rosters and saw that Brody wasn't uh, protected. It was it was fairly surprising to me. So I'm curious if he's going to be some of that veteran leadership when the Water Dogs end up selecting.
1: Yeah, and some shocks for me were uh, Ryan Drenner, Connor Kelly, and Ben Reeves all going unprotected. I figured at least one of these guys would go unprotected, maybe two, but not all three. Um, and I easily think that all three could be picked up by the water dogs. Um, you know, and maybe Coach Stagnita, he, he opted to, you know, keep that defensive core together. Maybe he expects a guy like, you know, Dylan Maltz, who didn't see some time last year, uh, come in and, you know, play well. Because he, he played really well at Maryland. Uh, you know, I might be a little bit of a homer because I actually played against him uh, in youth lacrosse down in Northern Virginia. Um, but I think he's a guy that could, you know, ha- see an increased role if these guys don't come back. But I'd be shocked if Drenner, Kelly, and Ben Reeves aren't water dogs uh, this summer, um, and some other guys too that really shook up the market are Miles Thompson and Kieran McCardle, uh, another group of attackmen. So you know there's there's a lot of attackmen available for the water dogs to select, um, and you know I don't know who knows who, what they're thinking with the guys that are coming over from the MLO uh, per se that that could weigh in on their decision. So. You know, some of these guys might go back to their teams, but uh, very risky for them to go unprotected. Um, I could see any four or five of those guys going.
2: Yeah, and you know, an- another um, guy that didn't see the field last year for a few reasons is Curtis Dixon. Um, and he announced he-, he fully plans on playing next year. So he- he's one of the best in the world and w- would be a fantastic option for the Water Dogs going forward um, if, the- if they do decide to select him.
1: Yeah, no, and I think, you know, Andy Towers not protecting him was probably the right decision just because he didn't play at all last year. Um, but, you know, with him saying, you know, that he fully plans to play, you're right, he's another guy that could, could be picked up. So a lot of offensive talent left unprotected, and it kind of shows that, you know, these teams are really investing in strong defenses and keeping that core together. Um, and then another guy who we were kind of surprised stayed, but also not super surprised was Stephen Kelly, uh, surprised more because we really expect the archers to take TD Ireland with the first pick, but um, them keeping Kelly kind of gives them more leverage now. You know, I know Adam, you've been saying for a while they should, you know, use that to maybe trade uh, that pick and get somebody that they need, get another need, or um, you know, they could easily use it on a Michael Sowers, a Princeton guy, or Grant Ament to kind of you know round out this attack group with Will Manny and Marcus Holman. Um, since, you know, guys like Christian Cuccinello are now available. So it's going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, you know, I think for a while people have been sleeping on Michael Sowers, and he's quietly uh, in second place all time for points per game, uh, behind only Lyle Thompson. So that And that could obviously change uh, come come this spring. So um, it's quiet right now, but we're at the calm before the storm. College season's about to pick up, and that means draft talk is about to pick up as well.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, you got Pat Spencer. Uh, if Once he's done grad school, is he going to come and join that attack group? There's so many questions right now, so much talent in this league. Um, that's part of the reason, too, you know, it, it's we really want to see the, both leagues kind of thrive is because we want these players to get the opportunity to play, um, yeah. you know. So it, it looks like there will be plenty of opportunities. But, uh, yeah, we're excited. And, you know, the PLL has told us, too, that they plan on – doing a televised draft again, you know, will be pre-recorded at NBC Studios, but they will do the same thing they did last year for that collegiate draft, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, Some other notable players that, you know, are almost certain to be gone, Sergio Salcido, he seemed kind of bitter about the news that he wasn't protected. Uh, You know, he's kind of been doubted his whole career, uh, both at Syracuse and, you know, now in the pros, so he's excited, you know, I, I think he fully expects to be a water dog, and I'd be shocked if he's not picked up. So um, he seems determined to kind of get some revenge this year. Adam Gittleman's another guy I think you know is going to have an opportunity to you know get earn a starting role uh, for good with the Water Dogs. Hopefully, you know I, I know ex- we expect him and maybe Jack Kelly to be drafted by the Water Dogs. And then Drew Steiner's another guy who um, you know kind of took to, to Instagram, expressed his frustrations a little bit about being doubted. Um, he's obviously had a tremendous career and come up clutch in a lot of big moments. Uh, both with the Outlaws and the Whip Snakes, so he's a guy I think's gonna you know be a staple for the Water Dogs, and then finally Pat Harbison, short stick defensive midi. That's a premium position in this league. Um, again, I'd be super surprised if he's not picked up. Um, so those are you know some guys that when unprotected you should expect to see them as Water Dogs. Uh, be sure to check out Dan Orestia's first mock draft for the PLL expansion draft on our website. We ourselves will break down uh, who we think gets drafted in a few weeks leading up to the draft. Um, but those are some quick takes that we have for right now. But that wraps up our PLL Protected Players List discussion. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll dive into these NLL games from this past week.
2: Before history is written,
0: Bobby Orr, behind
1: the
0: it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
1: Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder. Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, the Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to slash premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. Uh, Now it's time to dive into some NLL games. Uh, We were at one of these games this weekend, the Warriors at the Wings in Philadelphia. We both had a great time. Uh, it was a big victory for the Wings. Big nights from Josh Currier, Blaze Reardon, who each had eight points, and then Bre- Brett Hickey and Kevin Crowley also added hat-tricks on the day, uh, with Crowley recording his 300th career goal uh, often an uh, incredible one-handed grab and Canadian finish on the, the doorstep. He talked about the goal uh, in his press conference after the game, so let's toss to that sound and uh, hear what he had to say.
0: Yeah, it's obviously great. Uh, I I didn't know I was that close. I guess I knew, but I wasn't thinking about it at the time, so kind of added to it. But, you know, Josh threw me that awful pass behind me, and I was lucky to get a hold of it. I just signed him up for a highlight reel. For <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, the crowd was great tonight. Uh, you know, those home openers are always special, and to win in that fashion was, was great for
2: us.
1: Yeah, so uh, Crowley poking a little bit of fun at... Josh Currier's pass. It made for a great highlight goal, though, and uh, you know Crowley had a really big day uh, in that Wings win.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know another guy who had a, a big day uh, was Trevor Baptiste, who had two goals, including one where he started from from a cause turnover and saw him take it the entire length of the floor and bull dodge his way for a goal, which was awesome to see. Uh, probably would have been my play of the game if it hadn't been for for Crowley's goal. But after the game, Coach Paul Day uh, talked a little bit about. How much Trevor's game has improved since last year?
0: His biggest thing is fitness. Is you know, uh, guys coming to college or first year, they're expecting they're used to working out six, seven days a week with the team. Well, now you're on your own. So uh, our big key at the end of the season last year and exit minis was about his fitness, and his fitness is unbelievable. Like he runs away from people and fast people. And uh, his defense—he got that penalty late in the game because he's defensively. 50% better than he was last year and that's key for us I mean we love T V and uh, like I honestly think he can be a goal a game he can have 18 to 20 goals every year in this league and the sky's the limit for him and it just goes with the culture and the, the type of teammate that he is that's why he's here and my first phone call with him in August of 2018 I remember in my backyard he just wanted to play box and he wanted to play in Philly so he's just a fantastic guy
1: Yeah, Coach Day, you know, obviously had a lot of great things to say about Baptiste's fitness, and, you know, it's really showing on the floor this year. He's really, you know, upped his game to another level, Um, and the Wings are playing their best lacrosse right now. You know, even when the game was close, they never seemed like they were uncomfortable. They seemed to play with, you know, a fluidity in the game, and on defense, you know, they they really did a good job of eliminating the threats of, you know, Keegan Ball and Mitch Jones. Even though Mitch Jones, you know, had six points on the day, um, he still wasn't really the same Mitch Jones that we had been seeing he, he didn't you know he had to really work for those points I think overall the Wings did a phenomenal job of containing him um, and you know we talked to Josh Curry and Zach Higgins uh, on about their thoughts on the win and you know what it was like to get it in their home opener and this is what they had to say
2: I think tonight it was just uh, a complete offensive uh, win for us our uh, RL was clicking and I think every single player had multi-goal games with uh, with that happening, our O always very dangerous, and when we got Higgy back there shutting the door, it's uh, it's uh, going to be a win for us for sure.
0: It was pretty exciting. I mean, coming to this place last year, you knew how exciting it was going to be for the home opener tonight, and uh, coming out with a big win is always good. So it felt good tonight.
1: Yeah, it was a big home opener for the Wings, uh, and then you know they're kind of already you know getting ready for next week. Uh, they take the Black Wol- they take on the Black Wolves this weekend uh, in New England. And I asked Kevin Crowley if he's looking to enact any revenge on his former team at all, and this is what he had to say about that.
0: I think we, you know, first off, it's recovery and make sure, uh, you know, our bodies are right for next weekend. It's obviously tough, double uh, doubleheader like that, and we know New England's a good team. That's who we square off with first. But, uh, you know, hopefully take the confidence from this win and, and roll into next weekend with it. Yeah, I remember last year playing there. They did like this big scene of like pulling a Crowley jersey off and having a Crawford jersey underneath. So, you know, I know they weren't happy with the way things went. I don't blame them, but, you know, it always adds to, you know, for me going into the game, just a little extra to, you know, a little extra hate in that game.
1: So, obviously, a little bit of, you know, disdain still with his former team. Uh, We love to see that, though, in professional lacrosse. I mean, that's kind of what it's all about. There's nothing better than a nice, good revenge story, you know, and uh, I think it's really good to kind of build up to these games, you know, to have a little bit of a storyline like that. So we're looking forward to this game. Uh, It's going to be a big one. You know, both these teams are fighting for uh, control over the East, so um, it's going to be a a dogfight when it comes to the Black Wolves and the Wings this weekend. Let's talk about another game that was a dogfight, and that was the the Mammoth versus the Thunderbirds. Joey Capito picked up where he left off in this game, and he scored 16 seconds into the game. Um, And the Mammoth, you know, got off to a hot start. They scored two more within the first three minutes uh, with some goals that trickled past Warren Hill, and they went on a 4-0 run to start the game until Graham Hosick intercepted a pass and, you know, buried a coast-to-coast goal to put Halifax on the board. But, you know, the the Mammoth, again, seemed control of this game the first half. They were up 5-3 in the first quarter, uh, and then they led seven to three with three minutes left in the second quarter, thanks to a first half hat trick from Ly- Ryan Lee. Um, but the Thunderbirds just never got complacent in, in this game, and you know, this has kind of been the story of their season. They they know what they want to do on the floor, and they don't let you know a few goal runs by other teams stop them from running executing their game plan. You know they have some of these slow starts, but they never panic. They're well coached, and they have you know veteran leadership that I think translates out there on the floor. So then, in the final three minutes of the half, they they were able to get three goals and you know pull within one seven to six. And then by early in the third quarter, it was tied at seven seven. So uh, again, the, the Thunderbirds just don't don't quit. Uh, they don't again, like I said, get complacent, um, and they just outbattled the Mammoth in that fourth quarter, both on the loose ball battle and also on defense. Banesh and Bushy gave them the eleven eight lead, uh, and the Mammoth would get a goal late, but the empty netter by Hasek iced that game, so they would win twelve to ten. Uh, and remain undefeated on the season. You know, the big performers were Graham Hossick, Ryan Banesh, uh, and then Cody Jameson continues to you know, really lead this team um, both as a captain but also, you know, as one of their top scorers. And Warren Hill has been lights out in cage. You know, he raced a shaky first quarter and stood tall to hold the Mammoth off late. Um, so the Thunderbirds, you know, continue to roll. Um, what, do you, what do you see from the Thunderbirds team? Do you think they can continue this success? Yeah, you know,
2: I, I don't see why they can't. You know, they, they, they're they playing as a team and, and they clearly have the opportunity to continue on with this success. And the, the goalie play is something that that's so big. You know, Warren Hill has been playing lights out. You know, early in the season, everyone was talking about the goalie play. From the league as a whole, and we've seen young goalies, whether it's uh, Higgins with the wings or a Warren Hill, come up really big for their squads, and um, if they're getting the goalie play, they have the veteran leadership and talent in front of them, so I, I don't see why they can't uh, continue with the success.
1: Yeah, no, I agree completely, and another matchup we had that also had two teams really you know, looking to get some momentum uh, were the Bandits versus the Swarm. What do you see from this game that you really took away?
2: Keeping on the, the theme of goalies, after being pulled in their previous game against Halifax, goalie Matt Vince bounced back in a big way for the Bandits. You know, he held the swarm to only 10 goals on the night. Uh, former goalie of the year, right? Had 47 saves in the contest. Uh, And that was Georgia's lowest goal total of the entire season. So um, clearly, Matt Vince was not going to have two bad games in a row. And and he picked a good one uh, against a really competitive and potent offense in the Swarm uh, to play well, you know, but the Bandits offense also jumped on uh, the Swarm defense, you know, uh, leading 6-2 after the first quarter, um, and 11-3 at half, you know, before the whistle blew at the end of the first half. So um, it wasn't just the play uh, of that Bandits defense, it was also the offensive side of the ball, too. They were clicking on all cylinders, and at the end of the day, Chris Cloutier and Dane Smith both had big nights recording six points each, you know. Uh, That Buffalo defense stifled, uh, that usually high-octane offense of the Swarm. They held Lyle Thompson scoreless, and I I can't remember the last time uh, he didn't score in a game. So, uh, bit big game for for pretty much all facets uh, of the Buffalo squad.
1: Yeah, no, I think having Steve Priolo, as we talked about last week, uh, you know him coming back, you know was big for this defense. Um, so, you know he, they they really played they really played this swarm settled offense well in this game. Um, like you said, you know holding them to ten goals uh, was big. You know, so I, I think. The Bandits are kind of getting back on track. You know, they're 2-1 and one right now. Um, you know, they, this was a, a big win for them, even though it's still early in the season. But uh, they showed they showed signs that they, they could be the Bandits team from last year that we saw still, and they could still perform to, to the caliber that we know they can play at. Some other games uh, from the, around the league, you know, the Toronto Rock narrowly beat the Nighthawks. We had both picked the Nighthawks to get their first win. It uh, did not happen. They fall, you know, 13-12, to 12, uh... Not for lack of trying, though. Sean Evans and Holden Katoni each had nine points. They're just not getting enough help around them. Uh, and, you know, in yeah. this game, no team led by more than two goals. So it was close through and through. Um, but Rob Hellier and Zach Manns, you know, each had a hat trick, and the win kind of kind of gave that Toronto Rock, um, you know, the spark that they needed to, to kind of overcome this feisty Rochester team. Um, and Rochester right now is still looking for their first win. And then, you know, the final game of the weekend, uh, the rush hand the Seals their fourth loss. Um, seals desperately need austin stotts and casey jackson back as they sit at one and four um failed to record more than 10 goals for the third time this season you know they got production out of west Burr, connor fields and Zach zachary who each had five points but they can't do it all um so they're they're desperately lacking some of their offensive weapons from last year um, and hopefully those guys get healthy and come back soon um and you know shout out to ben mcintosh and mark matthews who each had five points on the day and ryan dilks was all over the floor with four-cause turnovers. So, uh, you know, the Russia, are another team you can't sleep on. They went into the season with high hopes, hoping to, you know, get back to the championship caliber form that we have seen from them in the previous year. So um, I think they're another team you can't really sleep on right now. So that wraps up our game coverage. Now it's time to talk some fantasy lacrosse. In terms of top performers in net, you had Matt Vince with 11.5, uh, Craig Wendy with 10, and then Warren Hill with 9.75 points. Sean Evans led forwards with 10.5 points, and Holin Cotone had 9.75 points, uh, rounded out by Blaze Reardon's 9 points on the day and Randy Stotts' 8.75 points. And in terms of defense and transition, Graham Hasek had 8.75 points, and Trevor Baptiste had 7.25 to lead their counterparts. Both our epic lacrosse fantasy locks turned in some big performances. Adam, you picked Brad Cree, whose nine ground balls and three cross turnovers got you 5.25 points. And then my epic lacrosse fantasy lock was Randy Stotts who we mentioned had 8.75 points off of three goals, three assists, seven loose balls, and one caused turnover. But now that we're heading into Week 8, Adam, who is your epic lacrosse fantasy lock for this weekend?
2: I think maybe it might be some recency bias, and and we were there to watch his performance this past weekend in Philly, but I'm going to have to go with Trevor Baptiste, you know. Uh, He had an awesome game this past weekend, You heard Coach Day talk about uh, his athleticism, and he thinks he could be a 20-goal scorer in this league, and I wholeheartedly believe him. Um, And the big reason why I selected him, he leads the wings in loose balls, and he's almost doubled uh, his next teammate when it comes to being in the leaderboard for loose balls. So that's a big category, and I fully expect him to continue his success at the draw, get those loose balls, net a couple goals this weekend.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great pick. Um, I'm going to go with Lyle Thompson against the Riptide. Uh, You know, he hadn't recorded less than, I I believe, six and a half fantasy points going into this last game. Uh, Obviously, not a great day for him. He's uh, held off the the goal sheet. Um, But I think he'll bounce back against this Riptide defense, and I think he's going to have a big day. So he is my epic lacrosse fantasy lock.
2: Lock it down.
1: All right, so those are our epic lacrosse fantasy locks for this weekend. Let us know your lock by tweeting us your pick and using the hashtag EpicLacrosseFantasyLock. With that, let's go to a quick break. We'll hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll dive into our game picks. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. It's time to go into our pick and roll. Uh, we have a full slate of games this weekend. Every team's playing. Um, this past weekend, I went 1-4. and four. Not a great weekend for me. I'm now 17-10 and 10 overall, uh, and you've inched a lot closer, Adam. You went 3-2, and two, so you're 15-12 and 12 overall, just two games away from me. Um, again, it's going to be a, a tight race, I think, the whole season. I told you, it's going to
2: be a marathon.
1: No, you are right for sure, uh, but let's start off with these game picks. We have one game on Friday night, and that is the Mammoth at the Warriors. Who do you like in this game, and who do you think is going to have a big role?
2: With this Logan Chuss injury, if if it does knock him out of this week's game, uh, I think the Mammoth are going to try and want to get back into the uh, winners' column after their loss last week to Halifax. So I got to take the Mammoth in this one, and I think Dylan Ward comes up big in cage.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take the Mammoth as well. Um, I think we'll see Joey Capito have another big day. Uh, you know, he he got off to a hot start uh, this last game, and then was a little bit quiet in the second half, but. Um, I expect him, you know, to do his part and, and have a solid game for this mammoth squad. Then following that we have the Seals at the Thunderbirds. Uh, Seals, you know, sitting at one and four. Thunderbirds are undefeated right now. Uh who you like in this one?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think you really can pick against the Thunderbirds until they show you something different. You know, they they've been, as we talked about in in our game log, the most complete team thus far this season. Um, in a lot of different areas and I'm gonna take them in this one to beat the Seals especially at home.
1: Yeah I'm going uh, Thunderbirds as well, Uh, you know I I like to see uh, Clark Peterson have a a big day and again until the Seals get those offensive weapons back in Stotts and Casey Jackson I think it's gonna be a tough go for them. And Following that you have the Roughnecks at the Nighthawks. Who you liking this one Adam?
2: Until I see a W from the Nighthawks I don't think I can go that way uh, despite it being a really close one uh, against that squad, I think Curtis Dixon comes up big for the Roughnecks, and they get the back in the victory column.
1: All right, I'm going to go Nighthawks. I think the Roughnecks are thin right now. Um, you know, I, I think they're they're really playing with the skeleton crew right now, and the Nighthawks are they're right on the verge of that first win. So I expect Sean Evans to kind of get the boys up to speed, and uh, I think they're going to get their first win against the Roughnecks this weekend. And then going off of that, we have the Wings at the Black Wolves. This is one of our most anticipated matchups. Who do you like in this one?
2: This is going to be one of the most exciting games of the weekend, I think. Uh, Some bad blood between the two squads. Two teams that are fighting for first place in the East Division. It was one of my only losses this past weekend. I'm going to go with the Wings in this one, and I think I'm going to stick with my fantasy lock, Trevor Baptiste.
1: All right, I like it. Um, You know, I really wanted to pick the Wings because they're hot right now. But again, the Black Wolves have shown no signs of slowing down. Um, you know They're going to be well-rested. Uh, again, I think they're going to you know play this Wings team hard. It's going to be a close game for sure. Um, I'll give them a slight home field advantage, though, and I think Callum Crawford's going to have another big day. So I'm going to pick the Black Wolves in this one. And then following that, uh, we have the Rock at the Bandits. Uh, this is another big game in terms of you know, North standings. So who do you like in this one?
2: I think this is going to be a really close one with the Bandits coming out ahead. I think this is the start of a great streak for Matt Vincent Cage. Uh, I don't think he was happy, like I said, with his performance in the previous week. And I think it's going to start a, a, comp- a pretty competitive uh, a string of games where he plays kind of uh, as the top goalie he once was. I'm going to take the Bandits in this one um, over the Rock.
1: All right, I'm going Bandits as well. Uh, I really think Dane Smith's gonna have a big day. I think the Bandits are gonna continue this momentum they just gained, you know, beating that solid Swarm team, and uh, I think they're gonna really take it to the Rock. And then uh, following that, you know, I just mentioned the Swarm. They're taking on the Riptide. Adam, who do you like in this one?
2: I feel bad for the Riptide in this one. I think the Swarm are gonna come out angry, uh, and I think Lyle, like you said, is gonna have a big one, uh, and I think the Swarm are gonna win this one pretty easily.
1: You know, the boys are going to be buzzing. I think the Swarm get a win over the Riptide as well. Uh, Like I mentioned, I think Lyle's going to have a big day. He's an obvious choice. Um, But I also think, you know, a guy flying a little bit under the radar is uh, Brian Cole. Um, You know, he made the move to the transition uh, this year. He's typically a forward, and, you know, he's been, you know, sneaky good for them. uh, And I just think he's waiting to have a breakout game, and I think he gets it against this Riptide team. And then following that, the last game of Saturday, we have the Mammoth in their second of back-to-back games this weekend, taking on the Rush. Uh, This is a rematch from week one where the Rush narrowly defeated the Mammoth in overtime. So Adam, who do you like in this one?
2: Yeah, I think it's gonna be pretty similar to that week one matchup. I'm taking the Rush in this one, especially at home. I think it's gonna be a competitive battle between two great teams, but I think the Rush are gonna edge this one out just like week one.
1: Yeah, no, I'm going with the Rush too. Uh, I think I would have picked the Mammoth if didn't play two games this weekend, but since they do, and the second one being on the road, um, I think that's a tough turnaround for teams. I mean, we saw how it affected the Roughnecks when they played that back-to-back when they played back-to-back games a few weekends ago. So I think you know you can't overlook that travel aspect of it. So I'm picking the Rush as well, and you know I think Ben McIntosh is going to continue his success from last week. And finally, in our final game on Sunday, the Nighthawks play their second game of the weekend against the Wings, who are also playing their second game of the weekend. Adam, who do you like in this one?
2: I'm taking the Wings in this one predominantly because a victory means they're 2-0 on the weekend for me, which means they have sole possession of first place for the first time uh, in the East Division since coming back to Philly. Um, That's a big turnaround from the one-goal losses from last year, um, taking the Wings to get into first place and sole possession of the East.
1: All right, again, I mentioned the travel aspect of things. Nighthawks are traveling to Philadelphia. Not that big of a road trip, you know, for them going from Rochester to Philadelphia. But I still think it's a factor. Um, so I think I'm going to pick the wings as well. And I'd like to see our, our boy Kevin Crowley uh, really have a big day, you know, and continue his success from this past weekend. So those are our game picks from the weekend. Uh, let us know who you think's going to win. You know, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, you, your picks for the weekend, um, and we're looking forward to, you know, watching a lot of these great games. Uh, that wraps up our podcast. Uh, we have an interview out with Cannon's attackman Mark Cockerton. Uh, I was released earlier this week, so feel free to check that out. Uh, you know, Mark's really looking forward to this upcoming MLL season. He's really embraced his leadership role on this Cannon's team since getting there in 2018, and I think he's going to have another phenomenal year. And then we have another interview with Mikey Slosser of the Denver Outlaws coming out soon. Uh, he is also you know, a member of the San Diego Seals. Um, that should be up early next week, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then finally, we want to shout out to our listeners that are in France. Uh, we've developed a bit of a following in France, so if you're a French listener, reach out to us, let us know. We, we'd love to gauge what you think of the show. Um, you know, we're trying to reach out a little bit more to this international audience be- beyond North America. Um, so shout out to our French listeners for listening, and uh, feel free to reach out to us. And finally, before we wrap up, let's go to overtime. Adam, what are you looking forward to most this weekend?
2: You know, I'm going to keep it uh, with the Phillies theme. We were in Philly this past weekend for LaxCon. Um, I'm most excited for this Philly versus Black Wolves mashup, this Wings versus the Black Wolves. I'm really, really excited for that one. And also, we, we hinted at it earlier, the potential move of the Atlanta Blaze to, to Philly. I'm curious to see if we hear any other news coming out of the MLL. So whether it's MLL Philly or NLL Philly, I'm super excited for the weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm also excited you know, to see what the MLL has planned for this season. Uh, we'll be in contact with with the league about certain details that they're hoping to release soon. So expect some more details on the MLL's future. And I'm interested to see how it affects these players because, again, it's about the players. Players first, um, they're what you know make the leagues run. They're why we watch this great sport of lacrosse. So that's what excites me the most. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to the most this weekend and this coming week. But that wraps up Episode 56. Thank you guys all for listening. Please subscribe and consider leaving us a review. And we hope you guys tune in next time too. Pro across talk.